Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to episode 24 of the Box in One podcast, where we discuss Christ, sports, and culture through the lens of the gospel. I'm hanging out with the two homies See Laz, Chris Lasseter was cracking with the new headphones. And the homie Jay Hart, Jeremy Hartman, what's cracking, man? What's good? Episode 24, the Kobe episode. Oh. Or the Jay Hart episode. Okay, the episode's over. I'm glad you guys came out. You can follow us at Boxing One. (laughs) Why do we have to mention Kobe and set the tone like that? But that's a good segue into our first topic. Good stuff, man. Our first topic is the NBA season, which is on the horizon. I can see it coming up over over the horizon. And I'm not sure if anybody in this room is as excited as I am that the NBA is back in action for the 2016-17 season. And it looks like they're going to have some labor agreements in place, so we might not have a lockout, which is good. Uh, But we want to talk about the one thing the one storyline that each one of us look forward to in this particular season. There's so many storylines, but if you had to pick one, see last, what would that storyline be and why? Uh, my storyline has to be Steph. And it's very simply because of the way his last season ended. He gets hurt at the very beginning of the playoffs after becoming first unanimous MVP in the history of the league. And the team transitions brings in another MVP. That um, at six foot nine can do some things that six foot three guards can't. He'll have to adjust his game and overcome mentally what happened last year in the playoffs. And it's just curious what to see after he worked so hard and kind of became an alpha male. Um, where does his career go from here, playing with a team full of all stars? So, how does Steph follow up his unanimous MVP season that ended in a terrible one? <laughs> I think we saw that sign in the um, the political debates. Uh, somebody had a sign up that said Golden State lost when they were up 3-1 at the political debate. Uh, so, you know, people have not forgotten. Um, so it'll just be interesting for me to see what the next chapter of the Steph Curry book will be. Steph, the homie. Jay Hart, before you get into yours, let me just say that, Chris, you probably just gave the Sunday school answer for all NBA fans out there, just as an FYI. You know what that is, right? Yeah, Jesus on everything. Jesus is the answer to everything. <laughs> so Steph is the answer to everything, <laughs> apparently. So uh, you went with the Sunday school answer. I know Jay. I know Jay Hart has something a little bit more uh, in depth and substantive as as coach, the coach over there. Not that you didn't have any substance, Chris. I'm just saying. Um, I know Jay Hart has some X's and O's here for us. Uh, what I'm most interested to see is who's going to rise to the challenge in the East. You know, everybody's just like, well, Cleveland this, Cleveland that. But I'm I'm curious to see how Al Horford fits in Boston and if they can take the next step. Love Brad Stevens. Um, would like to see them get a shot at Cleveland and maybe possibly play for a finals opportunity. Um, also curious to see what happens in Toronto to see if Damari Carroll comes back and he's healthy. He missed, you know, I think he only played in like 27 games last year. 
Um, Toronto had a had a good run. Valanciunas got hurt in the playoffs. Cleveland was struggling dealing with him while he was still active and moving around. So I want to see if Toronto or Boston can take that next step and possibly challenge Cleveland and the King and um, see if anybody can knock them off. So that's where I'm going with mine. Jay Hart, what about the super team called the Knicks? That's what Derrick Rose said. Um, no, Derrick Rose needs to shut his mouth. That's all I'm going to say about that. Man, Damar Carroll doesn't look like he can play basketball. I'm sorry. If I saw him like in the gym and we were picking teams, I'm not picking you. I'm not sure if that's me being biased, but he don't look like a hooper, man. But he can ball. But, right. And he does so many little things. And I honestly, I thought Toronto could beat Cleveland. If Valanchunas and Carroll were both healthy, I think it would have been. I mean, it was still a pretty decent series, but I think it could have been better. Yeah, Demari Carroll's like Chris in a Lee alum game, you know, just hanging out. <laughs> Doing my thing. Dropping buckets, going one for one, three points. Oh, just as a side <laughs> note, Chris, I have to say that somebody told me today that you went from player to coach in that game and you look like Lenny Wilkins. Albeit two times the size of Lenny, but still Lenny. I saw a picture of him with a clipboard, man, and I said, you know what Chris is doing? He's doing what he wants to do, which is coach. And coach came off the bench. He was player coach that game. Went one for one. I'm not sure if y'all got the WMN, but I wanted to give you a shout out right quick before I go into my preseason storyline. Took that L. Took the L. I used to be Jay Hart's assistant coach, but that's another story for another podcast. Oh, we're going to have to get into that because if you got fired by Jay Hart, that would be the most amazing thing ever. So, <laughs> so my storyline, here, here's my storyline. LaMarcus Aldridge, man. It wasn't a storyline before the season, but apparently I'm reading articles that saying that L.A. might be a little bit upset by, about his role, quote unquote, in San Antonio. Now, I don't know if this is true. He's denied it, but I want to watch and see how he plays over these first 10 to 12 games with Powell in the front court, um, just to see if there's any truth to the rumors that the Spurs are thinking about dealing him. Now, there was a couple of deals out there. I was like, no, please don't do that. Chicago Bulls, Miritic, uh, the random dude from USC who who always thinks he's he's a baller. Um and then some, oh yeah, Michael, I forgot the dude's name, MCW. You shouldn't even be able to have the name Michael on the board. In any event, uh, that that trio was not really intriguing to me in terms of being traded for LA. LA has a year on left on his contract. Let the man play. Well, play your last year, man, and see what happens. So I'm most intrigued to see how that impacts our team. We've never had an issue like this with the Spurs. Everybody shows up with their lunch pail and makes it happen in blue collar San Antonio. We don't want no drama. So don't bring us no drama, LA. Come out there and do your thing. So looking forward to seeing what he does this year early on with the Spurs. And you all can see that on opening night against the Golden State. See how that team works out. Um, so totally looking forward to that. Preseason is over and the season is upon us. It's time 
to get it in. Oh my goodness. So this topic is one that Christians have been battling over for decades. And it happens around every October. And you can find Christians in one of two or three camps. There are Christians who despise this time of the year. There are Christians who revel in this time of the year. And then there are Christians who don't know what to do about this time of the year. And we want to address that as a trio here. I'm not sure which angle each one of us is going to come from, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this holiday called Halloween and how do we approach this this holiday as Christians, as faithful believers in Jesus. What are your thoughts, Jay Hart? Well, it's my kids. I got a 12 year old and a six year old and they like they know that kids go trick or treating. Um, But we've never taken our kids trick or treating. We don't really celebrate Halloween. Um, The most that we do is my wife will go. She'll take the kids to the pumpkin patch and we might get some pumpkins and let the kids carve those. Um, We don't hand out candy on trick or treat night. Um, the most that we do is we take the kids over to either my in-laws house or um, to my sister-in-laws house and we buy a pinata, uh, one or two pinatas and we fill it up with candy and the kids beat on them, the pinata bust, there's your candy. But as far as like celebrating Halloween, dressing up, buying costumes, um, we don't do any of that. We never have. And I think when Jackson, my oldest, was younger, um, somebody had a Noah's Ark party and the kids all dressed up as like an animal for the Ark. And that was about as much Halloweenish type stuff as we've done. Um, just never really gotten into it. Never really celebrated it, even when I was a kid. Um, can, can you can you expound? Can you tell the listeners? why you don't necessarily celebrate it as that as a holiday or something for you and the kids um we basically we look at it just because of the theme behind halloween um everything's scary you know it's monsters werewolves you know all types of scary stuff very horrific type things and um you know we just don't think that's a good thing to expose our kids to because sometimes that stuff is a gateway for attacks from the enemy. Um, And my kids have always kind of struggled with anything scary that they see. They've had nightmares and we just really don't want to give a foothold to the enemy at all with any of that type of stuff, any goons, goblins, ghouls, werewolves, none of that. Um, We just, we don't think it's the right thing to do. And, you know, we're called to be people of the light and those things are typically things of the darkness. So we've avoided it um, forever. And that's just kind of how we've approached it. And, um, you know, I'll stop short of saying it's all evil, but I think the connotation behind it um, kind of, you know, people equate it with evilness and those type of scary type of things. So um, we've stayed away, to, stayed away from it um, just for that reason alone, because we don't want to really be associated with that type of stuff. See, Lass, what is your family's approach to this particular holiday? Or how do you think um, we should approach Halloween as Christians? 
I got a couple of thoughts. Uh, number one is uh, Christian charity towards believers who may differ. So if you have been walking with the Lord for some season, you're going to meet people from different denominations who all approach it differently. I think it is important to think through well. I think it is has like gospel implications, but I don't think it is um, a primary issue. You know, like something that Christians can't disagree on and be Christian still. So we start there, right? Uh, number two is whatever you do, um, don't be whack in the name of Christ. So uh, that's a, that's an that's last order three fifteen. Yo, um, I'm gonna need you to expand on that one, Chris. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, like, if you say like um, you are of the persuasion that like we need to offer kids an alternative, right? Like something, so kids have something to do. Um, like you can't make that something to do whack and then associate the whack thing with the gospel. You see what I'm saying? Like everybody else is ha having a good time. And then like the kids in the church is doing something super whack. And they're like, yo, like something just doesn't seem right about like God's thing being less fly than the world's thing. If that's the approach you're going to take, you can't make it a whack thing. You know what I'm saying? So. Like, don't don't give your kids this um, picture that like, um, hey, we get really hyped about doing whack things all the time. And that's Christianity. I don't I don't like that picture. Um, third is uh, be missional. Um, that we don't get any breaks off from being missional. Like, um, just like Hartman said, we're called to be light. And that light is supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So. How are you going to approach this night redemptively if everyone in your neighborhood is out? What are you doing um, to be a light? I believe we have a gospel that is proactive, not defensive. Um, and so we go on the forefront. So what I think, I think Christians should uh, have their lights on, have the best candy, and have Show Baraka's CD burned 50,000 times and put one in every kid's bag. Um, yeah. So give them the best candy. Don't give them whack candy in Shabaraka's album. Give them the best candy so they're your favorite stop. And give them um, something from Humble Beast in their bag. Something like that. My podcast yeah. co-host basically just told everyone to break all copyright laws and violations. <laughs> um, so nope. what I'm going to do right quick is say that I do not um, support Chris in the latter of giving away so baraka cd for free a burned copy hold wait, up what wait, wait, hold on they they put the album out for free that's yeah but they them. you got to give them your email address to get the album so I, I think that's a marketing technique but apparently we're, we're usurping it now and we're going to be burning show baraka cds for, for halloween all right how about lecrae church clothes okay that's good. We can go with church clothes. We can go with Lecrae. I think he'd be okay with that. But not the new, new show Baraka, man. Chris, that, that's great though, man. I, I like I like that approach. So let me just say this. I, I've done, I've been on either side. So I've been the, the person with the lights out. Um, and I have not celebrated Halloween. And then I've been on the other side. I've been the person who has the lights on and gives out the best candy. I, we live in a neighborhood now where they're like all out 
my neighbor has a graveyard in his yard and they have actually have Halloween lights, like Christmas lights, but orange and black and stuff like that. So they are serious. So my thing is, you know, as a missional neighbor, trying to think about missions in my neighborhood. What about Monday when Monday rolls around and I'm that guy on the block with the dark house? So here's here's the intriguing thing and the great thing about the church we attend. They gave us boxes of candy, like M&Ms, red vines. Like they were like, hey, don't give out this candy corn. OK, don't be corny candy corn Christians. If you're going to give out candy, we're going to give it to you for free. And we just pasted a sermon series um, for the next month on Providence for people to come check out the church. I thought it was cool. So we took our boxes for free and we're going to be handing out some good old M&Ms and red vines and, and other things that I think kids will like. Um, and at the same time, not being the candy corn Christians who pass out the nastiest candy on planet Earth and think that they're being missional. So going to be that guy. I think we're going to be that family. My son, um, he wanted a Angry Birds costume. Man, this costume costs $60. So I was I was like, and we got it and it's not worth $60. But he'd been asking for us to do something to, to help him celebrate. So we decided to get the costume because all the kids dress up at school. So, you know, I'm just trying to be a, a good father, um, living in this world as a Christian and helping my son to navigate that and also making him understand or letting him understand that this holiday um, is an opportunity for us as a family to be missional. So, so that's why that's how I'm trying to couch it in those terms. And again, like you said, this is not, you know, this is not primary issue. So we can disagree on this and we all saved and going to heaven on this. So um, not to discount Jay Hart's approach, but that's, that's kind of how we, we approach it. Hey, just one real quick um, follow-up. I think if somebody's looking for a good scriptural place to like really bear down and study how we should approach these things, the book of Colossians, where they were dealing with some of these issues like meat to idols and certain days of the month and holidays and things like that, that's a, that's a great place to start. Also, um, if you're just looking for an article to read, um, Jimmy Needham on his website had an article a couple years ago about Halloween that was really practical about just being missional and using the holiday redemptively um, and avoiding the darkness while being the light. I thought it was a great article. Desiring God picked it up and posted it. That's actually where I saw it. And I would commend that article. And um, whatever your approach is, just have convictions about it. Like um, if it's no, if it's yes, if it's be missional, if it's avoid, like um, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all on the same team. And um, sometimes we, we choose different routes. And speaking of choosing a different route, we have a brother in the faith who who has recently articulated his frustration with the Christian community. Um, and it, it almost seems like in reading what he wrote that he feels spiritually burnt out. And we're talking about the person of Lecrae who wrote a HuffPost article recently that 
I, on first glance, when I first saw like it was a sentence per paragraph, I was like, oh, he's he's really going in before I even read it. And having read it, I said, oh, man, this this brother is really has really been hurt by our brothers and sisters in faith um, and, and really is trying to just get his emotions out there um, to make people f- know how frustrated he is um, about being part of this movement that that we've discussed in the past in terms of the article, the um, artists who do it. So just wanted to get you guys as take on Lecrae, where he is, you know, what's going on with him and, you know, how we might be able to, as, as brothers in the Lord, kind of support him um, from afar. For me personally, it was kind of hard to read that article and not really like empathize with the hurt. Um, so I just, um, it, it was, it was a painful thing to read. Um, Lecrae's made choices that biblically, maybe not all of us, um, people, if we would put ourselves in those shoes as artists, would say, "Hey, that's the approach I would have taken." I get that, you know. Um, we don't have to agree there. Um, I think he can take the steps that he's taken without betraying the gospel. I think there's room for that. Um, I think there's also a place where the gospel does need to be proclaimed. Um, but I think the Bible is big on justice. And I think um, it's always been God's call, whether Old Testament or New Testament, um, for God's people to look at where um, the world isn't functioning the way God ordained it to function and work towards that. And I think that's what we get um, in Micah 6, 8, to do justice, pursue justice. And so for Lecrae to take an avenue and say, this isn't the way God designed life to be, look at it. And for people to get so frustrated by that and to act like he abandoned the faith by pointing out something that's wrong racially in our country, just the backlash he received, that part was hurtful for me. And I could definitely like sympathize with where he came from. And um, as people kind of watched him get beat up, there's something that just doesn't feel right about, like when he said that people were like, well, that's what you get. I don't think that's ever the Christian response. That just felt um, calloused and cold and hurtful to me. And I was thinking like, man, I'd hate to be in that position where even if I felt like I took a risk and I missed the Lord on it, that I'd come back to the body of Christ and the body of Christ would say to me, well, that's what you get. Uh, That just hurt a little bit. And I could see how you could get disillusioned with the body like that. But hopefully for every one of those, there's been somebody else who has been uh, faithful standing beside him, praying in this corner. Welcome back gracefully. It did. It was it was a hard thing to read. Yeah, I, you know, I've been a Reach fan forever. So um, it really, like, it really struck a chord with me reading that. Um, but after reading Lecrae's book and kind of seeing his growth over the years, like, I understood more of why he was going the direction he was going and like you said chris not necessarily sure that that's the avenue i would have gone if i was in the same position but you know i commend him for for taking some risk and doing those things and and you know having conviction in that and saying this is what i believe um should happen but you know if you've read any of the message boards like rapzilla or any of those things like anytime 
something is posted about, well, Lecrae is doing this or Lecrae is doing that. Like, don't read the comments because posters are vicious. They're ruthless. They're savage. And these are folks who, you know, many of them consider themselves Christian. And, you know, I always look back at, we didn't all, like, we weren't born Christians. Like, we... Like we didn't just come out and say, yep, I believe in Jesus. He's my savior. We got baptized. No, like it didn't like we were all lost in a place at some point that we didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. We didn't care to have a relationship. And there was somebody who was willing to take a risk, who somebody who, you know, might have hung out with us. And people might have been looking at that christian and saying why is he hanging out with with that dude you know um but somebody had to take that risk in order for the gospel to be spread and for the word to to really permeate our heart i I think lecrae has a heart for people i think he has a heart for his community um it was painful painful to to read those words because you could almost hear the hurt in the words um, and it, it's, it hurts me from the standpoint of like, we still, you know, we still have folks out there that, that live more of the Pharisee or Sadducee life where, you know, we're casting stones and it, it just, it's sad to me, like that people would decide to do that. And that brother's hurting, um, the track that he released to kind of go along with it. Like you could just hear the pain in his voice um over the track like you know i I don't again like there may have been some decisions i didn't necessarily agree with or i might not necessarily make but i do think his heart was in the right place i do think he has a passion for people he loves people um and he wants to reach people and to to hear him you know basically pour out his heart and say this is the hurt that I've have and I have and just really sounding spiritually burnt out like it hurt me and like you know we got to pray for that brother um because you know you don't know what he's going through you don't know what you know what he's really feeling and um the hope is that you know he continues to hold on to the lord and and holds fast and finishes the race and fights a good fight but you know it was painful to read just adding on before we get your comment RJ Rick I think the poignant point in the book is when he gets to go to the Sacramento Kings basketball practice and he gets introduced as a Christian rapper and he just has some CDs for the guys and nobody will take one because he's a Christian rapper. And I see the the struggle, like if you're saying like, man, I have these doors open before me, like, uh, you know, Colossians 4 tells us to pray for open doors. Paul's saying, pray for doors for me. Okay, so here's these doors. But as soon as they open, the label of Christian rapper is shutting them. So I understand the wrestling. And like I'm saying, always can make all the great decisions. But like we have to understand that's the place that he was making some of those decisions from, even if it wasn't a decision we always agreed with. Yeah, and I think this brings up a a larger issue in um, black men, mental health, depression. Um, and the willingness of black men to admit that something's wrong. Um, there's always been this quiet strength about the black man um, historically. 
And one of the things that I will applaud him for is actually saying, hey, like, <laughs> this is brought on depression for me. And um, so, so continue prayers to him, but also grateful for the fact that he's able to to say that on a public platform it might open the door for for other men to to start to have those conversations with with those who may be in more intimate situations um, with them so that they can process process them because one of the things we don't necessarily talk about in the black community is is mental health and um, and being able to to navigate that and deal with that and there certainly are resources out there um, clinical resources that can help folks with that. So continue prayers to Lecrae and his family as he processes this on a very public platform, saying something that probably a lot of black men feel in the privacy of their own homes. So this segment of our show is called Sorry We Missed That. And this is where we look at, back at a story that would have blown up the internet's or blown up the podcast had it been around the time that the story happened. And CLAS finally convinced me to deal with this particular story. I've been praying about it. I've petitioned the Lord. I've asked him if this is the, the direction we should go in. And I got the release, man. Um, he, he told me that it was time. So we might as well do it, right? Tonight, we're talking about what happened on the night of December 9th, 2014 between the Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs. The Rockets were down by 13 points in the fourth quarter with a little over 33 seconds to go. Then Tracy McGrady decides that he wants to score 13 points. In 33 seconds. One, how is that even possible? Yes, it happened. Two, how does a Greg Popovich coached team let this happen to them? And three, why in the world has T Mac never won an NBA title? I need to know these three things, guys. I need to know it. I don't know any Spurs fans. Like, I don't know anybody who the Spurs is the squad they roll with. So all of our jokes would have been for you. Like, you'd have been the only person to tell the jokes. Like, if it's one thing, if it's the Bulls or it's the Heat, like, there's multiple people you can rate. You would have gotten all the jokes, Sam. If you told me this happened to an NBA team, I would have told you that team had to be the Kings. If you didn't tell me I could only take one team and bet my house on one team that it wasn't, that it couldn't happen to, I would have chosen the Popovich coach Spurs. I have no answer for you. He was shooting three-pointers. People kept fouling him, putting him on the line, even though you're up. It, I mean, the whole thing is just funny. The YouTube video is hilarious. It's so confusing as to what's going wrong. Like, all you have to do is not let him score 13 points in the last 33 seconds to win. And yet, Even the, the announcers were baffled, flabbergasted. Like, what in the world is going on? I just can't, I can't call it. Like, Jay Hart, is this worse than the point? This can't be worse than point four, can it? Oh, now, point four was a different situation, though. Like, that was, that was crunch time, crunch time. Like, that was, you know, point four was for 
playing for something. This, you know, I look back at this like I think it was a a feat that you know great players tend to make. And, and you know, let's not forget Reggie Miller did something similar to the Knicks back in the day. So, um, you know, he had wasn't that the playoff game too. That was a playoff game. So yes, yeah. Um, if there was an internet back then, it would have broke. So I don't. I'm not sure if we can say that T Mac is clutch. If this is a December game, a regular season game, and plus the fact that did you guys know that he never made it out of the first round of the playoffs before coming to the Spurs and playing about 20 minutes for the entire playoff run? Which is kind of sad because you know he was a talented, talented player. Great player, great right. player. But he always had first round talent. That's it, bro. <laughs> That's I, I covered one of his games as a reporter. There was a kid from around here that played for the Magic when he played there at Charlotte. Baron Davis was the point guard for Charlotte. You, I'm telling you, if you had a chance to see this dude close, there's NBA players and then there's McGrady. Like it's just a completely different level. His eyes are barely open. He looks like he's about to take a nap. It's like he's like two seconds from taking a nap. And he elevates, shoots the same jump shot every time, and it is wet. He can straight up ball. But, I mean, that's you can't not make it out the first round of the playoffs. Like, that's just, that's unacceptable. Okay, last question. Is he a Hall of Famer? First ballot. Yeah, I got to say he's a Hall of Famer. First ballot, huh? Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know about first ballot. I don't know if he gets in the first go around. His, co- his cousin, Will, his him. fifth cousin. Vince yeah, Carter. Vince you know, will get in. But we're not sure about T-Mac. I, I have to agree with you. He might be two or three ballots in. You know who he reminds me of? It reminds me of the situation with uh, back in the day, old school Golden State run TMC with Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, and Chris Mullen. Like You kind of knew that Hardaway and Mullen were going to get in, but Richmond was kind of like, you're like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer maybe. Like that's who Tracy Tracy McGrady is to me. Like he'll get in, but he might kind of be that afterthought guy where you're like, oh yeah, he'll get in, but man. Eh. But there was a time where McGrady was like, we were asking, like people were legit having early in their careers McGrady Kobe debate. Like no one ever had a Mitch Richmond debate with Jordan. Like I'm trying to tell you, like dude was special. Yeah, I agree. I mean, two scoring titles. Seven all NBA teams. He had like a 30.3 PER, which is one of only seven players to do that. So, I mean, he's got the athlete. I just don't know first ballot. So we'll see. Uh, shout out to T Mac, though, for, for lighting my team up in 33 seconds. That was not fair, but it was in a regular season game. Didn't matter. Five rings, and we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> Okay, this next segment is called What We're Reading and What We're Listening To. This is where we share resources with our listeners to let them know what we're up to, what we're reading, what we're listening to, so they may be able to be blessed by that same material. And I think all three of us probably have the same what we're listening to, and we want to go ahead and knock that one out, right, Jay Hart? Well, I was going to do the um, humble thing and not mention that beast that was released. And I was going to let y'all talk about that. Um, so I'm going to pass. I'm just going to talk about um, what I'm reading. It's a new book. Um, it's actually an older book. 
um, the character of God's Workman by Watchman Nee. Um, very practical stuff for, uh, you know, just being a Christian worker and how your attitude and certain things should be. So um, just started that today. So I'll let y'all talk about um, that thing that was released. Nice. Watchman Nee, that's like top 10 Christian name of all time. Um, Chris, what you got? What you reading? What you listening to? Man, I've been blown away by Show Baraka's album. Um, and the whole album is great. Like, it's quality. There's live instrumentation. It's mature. It makes you think. It's just everything that you could hope for in a hip-hop project. So, Derek Minor, I've been bumping you too, but show's been getting a lot of run. But there's a song called Piano Break at the very end of show's album that I've probably listened to 50 times since it's come out. And there's another song called My Hood USA, 1937. Between those two songs, I've probably listened to them 100 times in the last five days. Just an amazing, amazing, amazing project. Outside of show Baraka, I've been listening to a sermon series from Desiring God, um, the pastor's conference one year when the focus was prayer. Because I, I feel like, my prayer life has just been a struggle lately. And sometimes um, when that's true, I go back to that and it kind of jumpstarts my prayer life. And I remember the privilege of prayer and the importance of prayer. So I've kind of been on that when it hasn't been music. As far as reading, my man Patrick Height dropped a book, The Stanton Streak, about my high school basketball program that I was a part of back in the day that won 85 games in a row. And I'm about to start reading that as soon as we hang up tonight. Where's my book, Patrick? <laughs> oh, so for the record, my favorite song on the show Baraka album, which is what I'm listening to, is still forward. Great track, 1619, Jamestown. And he just rocked it on the opening track, man. I'm I'm still blown away by that that particular track. So uh listening to that, we still gotta get Jay Hart's favorite track. Um, and then what I'm reading is Kingdom of Cults by Walter Martin. Um, it's a great read. Uh, I actually had a conversation about 45 minutes long with a couple of Mormons. Um, and we had a great combo, planted some really good gospel seeds. And I don't know, man, this is like the second time in three months that I've, um, sat down and chatted with a couple of Mormon brothers. So it's been, been good. So I would definitely commend that to anyone who's interested in apologetic work with, um, different groups from Mormons to Jehovah's Witnesses um, to a couple of others. So it's a big book, but it's a good book. It is a big book. That's why I got the audio book and the big book too. closing shout outs. Shout out to coach Paul Hatcher um, with the alumni game over the weekend, uh, release of the book, man is a legend national high school hall of fame, Virginia high school hall of fame. Uh, when I first started coaching at Lehigh, he would sit down and talk to me about basketball. He's got so much knowledge. He's so helpful. Um, just an awesome, awesome man. I appreciate everything he's done for me. Shout out to you, Coach Hatcher. And that was my high school basketball coach, so definitely shout out to him. Also, um, shout out to all my family is what we like to call them. Um, Lehigh, the high school, all my old um, fraternity bros who came out and played in the alumni game. It was a ton of fun. Shout out to the biggest cocktail party in the world. 
happening this weekend on Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. I do not condone drinking, but that's what it's called. It's the Georgia-Florida game, and it's the only game that matters for us this year since we've already lost three. So I'll be watching us stomp (laughs) on some Gators, and I'm looking forward to it. So shout out to the big game in Jacksonville. Hey, I got to give a shout out to my Philadelphia Eagles bouncing back after that awful, awful loss to the Washington Redskins. The NFC East is trash. Hey, you can call it what you want. And that's been episode 24 of the Boxing One podcast. Which it's episode you- is it, Jay Hart? It's the Kobe episode. <sighs> really? We really had to do that? I mean, or you could to- just call it. Look, you could just call it the Jay Hart episode because that was my number. So. He changed his number at least four times, so I don't know what number Kobe is. Um, But this has been episode 24. Apparently, somebody wore that number. Jay Hart wore the number. I'll give you a shout out. Um, We appreciate you guys for tuning in. We would encourage you to go over to iTunes and subscribe. Also, please leave us a rating and review. And if you are so inclined, head over to Twitter and follow us at Boxing One Podcast. Until next time, enjoy your Halloween. Peace out.